the door. How many know sometimes we've got to shut a door? We're so busy wanting to open the door many times, sometimes we've got to realize what we need is to shut the door. Boy, I could just go off on something like that. You know, I'm sorry, sometimes, well, anyways, let's get into this. So what I'd like to do is take this. I want to I wanna show you some things. I want to teach you some things. And some of the things will ring as familiar with even more understanding, hopefully, as we walk through this. So let's take a look at Elisha and, and the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet caught, uh, excuse me, hang on a sec, hang on just a minute. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her, son, her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Lord, speak to our hearts, yet open our eyes. Fill us with the knowledge of your will, wisdom, understanding, spiritual leading. Lord, bless this time together. I pray in your word. Let your word become flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want you to understand, first up, foremost, so you got your pen ready? This is seeing the simplicity of God when you're at the end of your rope. Can I just put that straight out there as a theme for what we're looking at this morning? This story takes place in Israel. Remember, you, you have that great split that takes place where you have the ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes, the two southern being Judah and what was left of Benjamin. And then you have the other ten tribes which are to the north. So the south was called Judah, even though it was Judah and Benjamin. And then the north is continued to be referred to as Israel. So you have the ten tribes that are called Israel, the northern tribes. And the problem here in the north with the ten tribes is that they've turned to Baal and worshipped him. Baal was the demon god that was led into the, that, that was basically it laced, I should say, into the idea of prosperity and success, that Baal would make you rich, give you all you wanted. It carried in with it perverted morality 
that was woven into it as well. Demonic sexuality was, was mixed with materialism and greed. They worshipped that demon god who promised to give it to them. Doesn't sound familiar, does it? But then a guy by the name of Elijah, not Elisha, we're going to look at Elisha, but Elijah showed up. And, and he literally broke the power of Baal over Israel. But that's another story. And, and, but, but with Elijah, the real grip of Baal over Israel had been broken. But still, if you are a worshiper of the one true God, you, my friend, were persecuted. Then, then you come to our text, and you have this man who died who was one of the sons of the prophets. Now, Elijah, Elisha had something like a Bible school, and, and it was also a covenant village, if I can put it that way, where the community of, of people still worshipped the one true God. They learned from Elisha. They, they learned how to hear the Spirit speak to them. So it was called the sons of the prophets. We don't know who this lady is. She's a, a, a peasant at best. She's in real trouble. That we know. And see, back then when you got married in the Old Testament, how many got married in the Old Testament? Two of you? Okay, good. You remember, it was not between two people. It was between two families. Therefore, if your husband died, the family of your husband would look after you. But not in this case. She's out there on her own. Why? We, we don't know. It could be the reality of Baal. Because the truth is, she, she, as, she, as she's out there on her own, she has nowhere to turn. And Baal really isn't too concerned about some widow lady out there on her own. When you come to Israel, the people of it, people then tithe three times, 30%. You complain about 10%? Shame on you. But it, it, they tithe on 30, not to mention, okay, not to mention the feet. No, this is not a message on tithing, okay? But, you know, at the feast, for example, every first tomato, every first carrot, every first lettuce, that went to the Lord. A, a, a lot of that went to the poor. How many times in the Old Testament do, do you see it written to look after the widow, to look after the orphans, to look after the stranger who has come among you? The, the, the passion of God in the Old Testament to take care of the needy, the widow, the orphan, there, 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 there is, there's no one to look after them. They're on their own. They're by themselves. He says, as a people, you are to put your arms around them and care. Hello? And a lot of that care was in that third tithe. You took a third tithe out of your money for the poor. If you were, were growing things in the field, like wheat and barley, you, you weren't allowed to cut the edges of the field. It was to be left for the poor. But 
not in Dale's society, I can tell you that right now. Uh, nothing close to it. Dale could have cared less about the poor, period. So here she is, okay? She's got no family to look after her. There, there is no village that will bother with her. She's, she's left with God, who she knows does care for the helpless. And when her husband dies, she finds out that he has this enormous debt. <laughs> she didn't know about it. And, and now the debtors are coming. I mean, they're, they're, they're foreclosing. They want their money. Now, in those days, it, it was legal that you can't, if you can't pay your debt, your children or you will become, and, and the word the Bible uses is slaves. Now, it's, it's really not a good name for that, especially with our, our mental understanding, but you would become slaves of the person who loaned the money. You weren't in chains, okay? You were looked after. You were cared for. You were not getting paid. But you would work for the man until you paid off the debt. That's the way it worked. The creditor, from what we're understanding here, has already appeared. That's why she already knew about it. She said, he's coming and he's going to take my two boys. So she knows. She's in a mess. She's without support. She's facing starvation ahead. She's going to be homeless. Her sons will be slaves. And she's in a society that is controlled by the demonic god Baal. Not much hope there, is there? I say, I want you to feel that. I know you know the end of the story, but feel this. And I say that because, you know, it feels hopeless. It's what we come into with our if-onlys. If only we had done this. If only we had done that. If only we had changed this. If only we would have provided that. The if-onlys, the, the sleepless nights. How many know what I talk about when I talk about sleepless nights? Oh, yeah. But my point is, she has this negative self-esteem that is now a part of her life. She just is so low, so hurt, so taken back, so hopeless, and she blames herself, and she continues to feel lower and negative. I'm not worthy of anything. I'm a lousy person. I can't even take care. Can I say this? The future that is the future that is dominating her imagination, the only emotion that comes with that and what's left is that of dread. We dread the night. We dread the next day. We dread the next step. Her husband, who had been a part of Elisha's school of prophets, I mean, now that would have meant that they will. They they would have. Him being a, a, a part of that school meant that they lived in a community, and that community would have lived by God's law, which included the tithing and the care for the poor. She will go to Elisha because he's the head of that community of faith to see what he can do. Elisha says. 
see if you remember these words. What do you want me to do? Let me say, let me say, I don't know what MSA means. Let me say, again, this thing from last week, she's got to be specific. I, I can't underscore that enough for most believers because everything about them is so generalized. They're, they're not specific in any way. And, 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 and Elisha's saying, you've come to me, you've told me your husband died, and all that's valid, but what do you want? Ah, oh, come on, Elisha. Isn't, isn't it kind of obvious what she wants? Well, there's nothing obvious about this. I mean, here's what's crept into the church, I think, many times, and a lot of, quote, unquote, the Western, Western world and American kind of thinking. If God knows everything, why ask? I mean, we don't get specific. We just say this, generalize this, generalize, try to come up with good, influencing kind of prayer. No, he's going to do what he wants anyways, right? God's going to do what he wants. So so what? I mean, why should we just, just do nothing? Just, you know, trust in him, rest in him. That is a pagan way that has invaded the church, my friend. That's not God. I will say this and say this and say this, and I will not say it about generalized prayer, but I will say it about specific prayer, is that prayer changes things. Hello? Prayer changes things. Look, I'm going to say this. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. I hope you get what I'm talking about, and I'll get fearful about what I'm talking about. But the God who knows everything about you chooses not to know so you can tell him. He draws you into relationship as a result that blows your mind. I want you to get this. I mean, unfortunately, the paganism way of thinking is, you know, God knows, God cares, God's wonderful, he'll take care of it, and we just walk along like, oh, okay, you know, the dog on a leash. It's about being specific. And God knows everything about you and chooses not to know so you can tell him. And I'll say again the reason is to draw you into a relationship with him that boggles, that blows your mind. God says to this woman, what do you want? Elijah's saying, on behalf of God, what do you want me to do for you? Are you asking for money? Are you saying the community should be responsible for you? Or are you asking for a miracle? Again, she's got to be, what do you want? <laughs> do, you just going to do what I want? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm just, I'm a mess. My life, my heritage, decisions and choices. Let God do what he knows is best for you. 
I rest in your ministry. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, pastors, trust over you. You know, sometimes it comes down to, you know, Pastor Bruno gave me some of the best advice years ago, years ago. And, and it was when, at that time, I was looking at, Coming here, submitting my resume. Pastor Bruno had been pastor here for a number of years. And uh, it, it's interesting what comes up when you start to go forward and how the enemy likes to maybe take you this way or that way. You know, there, there, there are sometimes you come to a place where you don't know what to do. So you're saying, God, which way should I go? And I'm praying, God, show me. And Pastor Bruno and I were at headquarters one day, and I'm talking to him about my stuff and emotions and stuff, and and I said I I, I don't I don't know what to do or what the, he you know what he said to me, he told me about a choice between two churches he had, and as he faced those two choices, he heard God tell him, as he asked which one shall I go to, and he said. Go to whichever one you want to, and I will bless you with whichever one you choose. Sometimes it's not about God telling us. It's about us telling God. Do you get that? I, I mean, sometimes it really does come down to us being specific and telling God, Speaking to God and, and not waiting for, for it's, it's not him. He's not saying it's not what I want, it's what you want. That's huge. Elisha doesn't have money. That, that's pretty obvious he takes. But he knew the blessings of the covenant that were made in the Old Testament to the people of God. And, and friend, when you get back into Deuteronomy 28, and you're talking about the blessings that are there, I mean, they are off the charts. I wish you would go back, start with verse 1, and begin to work through it. But I wanted to show you something in the beginning of the blessings before he talks about blessing you in the city, blessing you in the field, and blessing you in the kitchen. We don't think like that, do we? We don't think about God blessing us in the kitchen. God Send me someone to wash these dishes. But, but you see, I want you to see something here. Take a look at this. And all these blessings shall come upon you and, ooh, think about it. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. Overtake you. Ain't got nothing overtaken. Well, then, I ain't going to tell you why you're not happy being overtaken. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I just, sometimes you want to squirrel and go 90 different ways. Right now, I just want to walk through all, the, I know they're not in there. I want to walk all through all those blessings there in chapter 28. I mean, they are so good. Look, 
I'm going to rattle off a, a lot of notes for you here in the next couple minutes. Faith knows that God is good. Faith doesn't re repeat itself in order to get something. Faith knows I have it. Let me say that again. Faith knows that God is good, and faith doesn't repeat itself in order to get something. Faith knows I have it. You want to know what faith says? Faith says, thank you. Got one. Waiting on two. Got, got every blank there is faith. You can just fill it out. Faith, 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 faith. Look. Faith says thank you. It doesn't have anxiety. I've said it before, you were not created to handle anxiety. Perfect peace casts out all. Got one. Fear. Oh, not here. Fear, huh? See, see understand this, and, and, and I want to put this in context and perspective. The prophets in the Old Testament, the, the, he was the, the word of God, Okay? That's how God spoke to people in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus is the Word of God, and that's the end of it. He's, he's, he's in the middle of it all, friend. He's in every event, every possibility. Okay, I, I say that to say this lady has come to hear the Word of God. She's come to the prophet. She's come to hear the Word of God. And, and do you, and, and do you again, realize that, that God is in the middle of all your events? Oh, yes, he is, good, bad, or ugly. His light is in the middle of our darkness, and it's where we need him. That's where this lady's needing God. And Elisha knows that. So... Elisha, knowing, holding the covenant blessings, all he has to do is listen to the voice of the Spirit, to the way this, this good God is going to completely meet this woman's need. <laughs> His attitude then is without any caution. His attitude is without any caution. Because today, now nah, you won't find that, will you? It's, it's too scary to have that kind of, of, of attitude, if I can put it that way. You know, you, well, I need to pray about it. Well, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. I'm going to go ahead and fast for a day. Well, you know, what if, what if, you know, <laughs> you know, and we come up with so many excuses and so many things, and it's it's scary to believe God for something, to, to have that knowing, if you will, to know you have it, to know God enough and to know him well enough to say, yes, that's him. I've got it. And nothing's going to take that away from you. But, but see, you know, oh, well, you know, evidently the husband didn't have much faith, did he? Otherwise he wouldn't have a loan like this now, would he? Look, a woman 
in that condition. Have you ever been in debt and tried to get a loan? A, a loan that, she's got a loan that needs to be paid. She doesn't know how to pay it. The children are going to be affected. They'll become slaves. Do I have to ask what God's will is? I mean, all Elisha has to do is to listen to the direction as to how this good God is going to do a good thing for this lady. Hello. That's, that's the key. What can I do for you? The question is to find the path, to find that pathway that Elisha knows, he knows is there, and all he has to do is find it. So he says, let's find it. What do you want? I'm going to tell you right now that the, that the grace of God is not a vague cloud somewhere out there, okay? I'm going to give you a definition here, and I hope you get it. And that is that grace is specific. Grace is custom made for the situation that we're talking about. It's a custom made moment. So this is specific. That when the need is met, there's no more grace for that. Would you, would you grab that? Grace is specific. Grace is custom made. For the situation, a custom-made moment. So when the need is met, there's no more grace for that. It's custom-made for that. There is, I'm hoping you grab this, there is no grace today that you can put in a bank account for tomorrow. Hello? It's like manna. You remember the manna? They had to go out and get it fresh every morning. And if, if some some you know, wise person decided, I don't want to get up tomorrow morning, I'm going to get enough for two days, what happens? Well, that, that stuff turns to worms and crawls away. So, so the bottom line is, you know, uh, <laughs> he has, hmm, you know, we try to save up this grace to make grace work for tomorrow. And the truth of the matter Turns to worms and crawls away. Well, anyways, he has, understand, he has, God has, a moment-by-moment, moment, in fact, minute-by-minute minute relationship with you, giving you grace for now. And if that grace is not accepted and lived in, it's gone. I have said this often, and these are the reasons I say it. You can't stop God, but you can miss him. And, and friend, let me just encourage you. We have grace for tomorrow that wasn't there yesterday. There's grace waiting for us when we get there that wasn't there yesterday. Grace is fresh. Grace is new. Grace is God becoming to us what we need him to be when we need him to be it. Yes. 
So Elisha is saying, ladies, we're going to sit down. We're going to have a cup of coffee because God doesn't like tea. Just kidding. It's two weeks in a row I've gotten in trouble with that. We're going to sit down and see what grace we need for this moment. Hello? So, lady, what do you have in the house that God can work with? I can just see the look on her face. I'm sorry. You can tell by those opening words. I mean, she's, she's probably thinking, what? I've sold everything. I don't have nothing. The house is as, as empty as you can get trying to pay this stuff off and take care of the needs. I mean, really? What do I have? I came here so you could do something, Elisha. That's where a lot of people look at things. Just get me out of this. Hello? Do something, Pastor. Where's your faith? <laughs> Make sure you're in my pocket. I got it. Come on. Listen, God meets us where we are, not where we're supposed to be. Hello? I know it's an old saying, but it's the truth. She, I mean, she, she's not this, she's not a person uh, of faith and, and power. It's not a person who is of faith. No, she is a, a, a poor, little, anonymous peasant woman who lost her husband with this huge debt. I don't know what to do or where to turn. I don't know. Have you ever noticed he didn't ask her how she got there? Elisha never asked her. God doesn't mm, understand right here Right now, where she is, is establishing a new beginning. I believe in new beginnings. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your history. I don't care where you come from. I don't care about your mistakes. I don't care about what attitude you walk into things with. I can tell you in God's grace, for what you need today is when you step out and realize that he becomes to you what you need him to be. What do you want? You probably wonder why I didn't do this message as what do you want part three. No. He goes on and says, what do you have in the house? Well, the problem is I don't have anything left. You know what's happening? Her poverty is showing. Well, what's in the house? Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It's bare. I don't have anything. Oh, yeah. In the kitchen, we've got this little bottle of oil that's only half full for cooking. That's it. Nothing in the kitchen to cook with it. But I have the little bottle of oil that's half full. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What's in my house? I mean, think about this just, just, just for a second. What has that little half bottle of oil got to do with my problem? Are you trying to show me how little I've actually got? Elisha hears it in his spirit. You know what God's saying right there? I can work with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She got half oil. I can work with that. Look, let me just say, 
whatever you have, whoever you are, it doesn't matter and make a bit of difference to Elisha. And at the end of it, it won't be so much the problem solved, but that you'll know him like you've never, ever known him before. Oh, I want to shout on that one while you're all writing it down, and I appreciate you writing it down. But let me say it again. It won't be so much that the problem is solved, but that you'll know him like you've never, ever known him before. Can somebody say amen? We say, God, do this for me, please. And God says, no. What shall we do? In the Old Testament, this is how, how he worked. He, he would say, give me something of your person. Give me something with your name engraved into it. Because what that is, is an ex, it's an extension of you. And we can work with that. What is in your house, Frank? What is in your house? What, what, is, what is yours? What's in your, your fields? What's in your shops? What's, what's in your home? Remember Moses, for example? Moses is up there, you know, with the big burning bush and everything else. It was probably a small burning bush. But he's, he's just standing there and he's saying, who me go to Israel? I can't do it. I don't got nothing. How am I going to? And remember what God said to him? Moses, what's in your hand? Oh, it's just a stick. That'll work. I can work with that. Just take that stick, okay? Take that stick. Hold it up. Hold it out. You'll use it. It'll part the Red Sea. It'll turn the snakes. It'll do all these. Just a stick. I can work with that. What's in your house? What do you have? Okay. Just this half jar of oil? That'll do. Really? If that's all you have, he says that's perfect. Jesus will say the same thing. Did you realize that? He's got, he's got 15 to 20,000 people. He's got to feed. What do we have? I say that to make you hungry right now because I figure it's about that time. Yeah, five loaves and two fishies. There's not even enough fish to make five fish sandwiches. Jesus, I, I mean, what do you have? Well, I got two fish and five loaves. That's good. We can work with that. Let's do that. <laughs> she had nothing left. What she did have was a half-used bottle of oil. But that woman merged with that half-bottle of oil. That bottle became literally an extension of her. And, and what was happening inside the bottle was happening inside of her. She was looking beyond the jug to see a pipe, the pipeline to the invisible, unlimited trinity. Can you imagine? How do I find God in this situation? He's in the little half bottle of oil over there. Do, do, do you realize that what is going to come out of that bottle of oil is more than whatever could ever be put into it? <sighs> so 
I'm not going, <laughs> Elisha's going, I'm not going to bring you out of debt. Rescue your kids from slavery. I, I'm going to give you the dignity of paying your own bills and have enough left over then to live on. That's God. The word of the Lord came in a little half-full jar of oil in an empty house. Oh, hello. Now, Elijah, he, he just, I said Elijah. Elisha says, go and borrow as many jars as you can. Get every last one that you can. Now, now put yourself in her shoes. I mean, you know the end of the story. I know we all do. We know how it ends, but... Can you put yourself in her shoes for a minute? And he says, go borrow as many jars as you can. Are you crazy? I'm in debt, and, and, and now I have a, a new hobby of collecting jars? Really? Listen, the only limit to God's supply is how many pots you have to put that supply in. And they came, kids and her, with all those pots, as many as, as they could find. So now the empty house was now filled with pots of every size and one little half-full jar of oil. Every pot there mocked her poverty. Empty house, empty pots. Empty house, empty pots. Can you imagine standing there in that house looking at all those empty pots in a house where there's not even a place to sit down? And what does Elijah say? Shut the door. Shut the door. Say it with me. Shut the door. <laughs> you and your two sons Shut the door. Oh, and by the way, I'm not coming in. Ooh, what? How can this happen without Elijah? How can this take place without Elisha being there? In no, he said, I'm, 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 you shut the door, you and your sons. I'm not coming in. Elisha didn't go in. I mean, not even to witness it. He said, lady, you're going to discover God for yourself. Shut the door. I'm not coming in. You know what it was? It wasn't sitting in the stands watching Elisha do something. Uh -uh. She's going to do it. It, it, it might might have been a, a small thing, you know, but it was the biggest thing that she'll ever do. Shut the door. Say it again. Shut the door. Why? No distractions. You thought, oh, there was some spiritual significance. No. The significance is there be no more distraction between you and what God is doing in and through you. Shut the door. I'm not coming in. Whew. 
I won't, you know. There's always the next door neighbors that want to come in. Shut the door. You don't need the advice of your neighbors or to debate anybody on what you're doing or others' feelings. Shut the door. This this will happen. Just just then for her sons, uh, I mean, in this house and with a God who is good, it's going to happen. I believe God is saying, I believe it with all my heart, that outside of a great meeting, you know, no one touching you, you you without a a, a man or a woman of God speaking over you, without a a book that you're you're grabbing or a podcast that you're listening to or a CD or, or a television show, you have to have an experience with God yourself and personally with God with the door locked, my friend. It's you and him. Shut the door. I respect all this other stuff. I love all this other stuff. It's good stuff. You know, listen to the tapes. Tapes, I'm talking about videotapes, okay? No, that's CDs. Listen to the live streams. Listen to those, just, you know, they're there. Outside meetings that you go to, somebody laying hands on you, speaking over you. Those are fine, those are dandy. But you have to have an experience with God with a locked door. That means I am here in this room with my two sons and the presence of God. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. This house has become the holy of holies. Do you remember the temple and the veil? The veil did what? The veil was shutting the door. That's what it was in her house somewhere in Israel to somebody who's anonymous, their house becomes a holy of holies. Now, you are called an earthen vessel. You can write the, the passage down in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. What am I saying? I'm saying you are a little bottle of oil. Possibly only a half full. And he says, what do you have? What do you, what do you have? Oh, I ain't got nothing. I'm a nobody. I've done, messed up my life. I've got nothing to offer. I got no talent. You know, I, 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 I can't even boil water. I've, I, my, my life, man, I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not. The only thing I've got is this little heart desire in me. A half bottle of oil. And God says, that'll do! That'll do! That, that, see, here's the problem. We live on our feelings. 
We live on our feelings of inadequacies, of inadequateness, and we look to what we think God thinks the way we think. So we get, I even hate to bring the word up or the phrase up, hooked on us people. You ready? Hooked on us people. No, never mind. I won't even. But that's what we do. We go through this relationship with him instead of him being able to, that'll do, and shutting the door. We go around moping because we live in our feelings instead of his covenants, instead of who he is. Well, I, just, I, don't, I don't feel it. Well, good for you. Yeah, I just, I don't feel, it's not there, I don't know. enemy shutting down the body of Christ because of inadequacies and fears and a body that believes well God knows so we just wait for God to take care of it no 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 specific specific and in that leading that understanding what we have, not what we don't have, because that's what we usually focus on. What we have, God says that will do. It's all about what they say. Jesus said, flowing out of you will be more than can ever be put in you. Flowing out of you will be more than you can ever put into you. Out of you shall flow rivers of living water. And wherever that water touches, life flows. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for what you've been saying to us, guiding us in, directing us by. God, I, I, the, the shallowness that the enemy keeps us in so that we become impotent. Oh, we, we, we have a belief, but we have never really come to a place where we are truly growing by who you are, what you are, what you said, what you are doing, and letting you loosen our lives. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let this be a day of new beginnings. Let this be a day that people understand a breakthrough in who they are, in what they are. As they pray specifically, as they continue to, to lift before you, as they stand specifically this morning, God, as you ask, what do they have? Well, Lord, let them know that'll do. What? What difference does a half bottle of oil make? What does it have to do with what I'm going through? And God says you're about to have the biggest experience in your life that you've ever had. Shut the door. No more distractions. Shut the door. Holy Spirit, speak.
every head bowed in reverence. And the only reason I ask it is because I know that there are some that will the reality of it is that Jesus how much he cares for what he's done. This morning to have and to know a relationship with the living God in Jesus Christ is to simply believe upon him. To say yes to what he's done. As you know, that's probably one of the hardest choices you've ever made. You kind of just veer away from it because you look at it as a fairy tale or something weird. Bad news, friend. I've got morning in this place, God wants to live in you, to bring to you life, truth, to bring to you the hope that you have, but it's a choice that you make. If you're in this place this morning in your heart and life, just say yes to him, whatever you say. I'm going to ask you, there's no one looking around. It's between you and God anyway, so shut the door. If that's you this morning in your heart and life, you're saying yes to him. Would you right where you say, just look up that hand. The hand beside you, yes, your hand, not somebody else. Your hand that's saying, that's me, I'm saying yes. God bless you. And God bless you. Now there are others. You're here this morning. That's my choice this morning. I'm saying yes to him. It's your choice. And when you make the choice, then it's your life. In a moment's time, if you're here, that's you. Would you affirm that choice? That's me. Would you simply slip up your hand right where you are? I'm going to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, right now, in the heart, in the heart of the choice that is saying, I not only believe in you, I receive you into my life to be joined with you, to cause me to be yours. There's nothing I can do, merit or even earn, I simply yes, I say thank you. I don't know what I'll, I'm supposed to do here or, or there. Look, just go in and shut the door. And realize the relationship that I have with you. Lay your hand on that. And right now, Lord, I pray for that. I pray you'll know your presence. Know your touch. Know your forgiveness. Know your joy. That they will know that you not only have done something in them, but that you have a, a life for them. Love on them this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name.
Can we give God praise? Would you, would you stand with me this morning? We ought to give God thanks because that could have gone till one till twelve fifteen. But as it is, I don't know about you, but I've given up on time consciousness. When God's doing something, God's not on time. Do you realize time is a result of the fall of man? Because outside of man and the fall, it's eternity. I guess I never thought about that before. That's why he makes all things beautiful in his time. Now I want to ask you the question. What difference does a message like this make in your life? You've been sitting there. Is God speaking to you and saying to you? And I'm asking you, is he telling you you need to get in there and shut the door? No more distractions. God's saying to you, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you have in the house? None. Just a half full heart says, I'd like to do something, make a difference, have things change. You know, can you get specific for a change? Can you get specific and realize that God is ready to pour out through you that which will blow your mind, become the force that God has created with purpose, that God has created with destiny, that God has created you to be. Don't just putz around going, oh, you know, hey, Sarah, Sarah, whatever it will be. No, it won't be. God needs you to speak to him. That's why prayer changes things. So this morning in this house, we're going to open these altars up for us find that place and shut the door. Shut the door. So in this place, this I almost said tonight, it's getting close, isn't it? In this place this morning, what God is about to do includes dignity, esteem, value. You'll pay your own bills and you'll have enough left over to live on. Shut the door. But believer, you got to make a choice to begin to move. Not just walk out of here and say, oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm looking forward to God doing something. No! God's not going to do that. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Now's the time to get specific. You're going to experience it. We need to experience God for ourselves. For ourselves. I hope that makes sense. I, I really do. Let's find that place of prayer as we sing. We pray for blessings 
we pray for peace, comfort for protection while Let's find that place. We pray for healing, for prosperity, and we <coughs> pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. Come. 